Hello everyone, this is a hallway. It's XMZ162. Awesome. Alright guys, this is Guitar Wank Makeup Session. Friday, Guitar Wank, or Saturday, wherever you are. This is episode 162, as Cressida was so kindly to tell us. This is the episode where we announce some winners for you guys, for our Patreon members. We're going to announce, <coughs> excuse me, our first Patreon winner. And our first Patreon winner is Cressida, drum roll. Yeah. That wasn't a drum roll. Give me a drum roll. Okay. Drum roll. I don't have a drum roll. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll get you a drum roll. Okay. Our first winner for the Left Coast Workshop Boost Pedal. This is an awesome boost pedal made by Left Coast Workshop Pedals. Thank you, Jim. If you don't know their, their, uh, their work or Jim's work, Boutique Pedal Shop, uh, Left Coast Workshop Pedals.com, I believe. Go there, check out all the pedals, you're going to love it. But the Boost Pedal is an awesome pedal and uh, it works great with his distortion pedal. But we're giving you the Boost Pedal, and our first winner is, is Patreon member Bill Miller. Bill, congratulations, mate. You've won a Boost Pedal from Left Coast Workshop Pedals. Congratulations, uh, maybe send us your uh, address and we'll get that pedal out to you sometime in the next uh, century. But uh, send us your information, Bill Miller, well done mate. We'll be announcing another winner next week for Patreon members. Also, we posted a video up uh, of Bruce Foreman giving a, a video. Yes, Bruce Foreman doing a video in uh, at Guitar Wank and a little snippet of some options playing wise for you guys but anyway we're just trying to encourage and keep the patreon members happy we're going to be giving lots of prizes away next week we will give away a wire world cable or something to that effect and uh, we've got still got three or four work left coast workshop pedals to give away too but uh congratulations to our first winner bill miller and uh yeah Anyway, so we'll continue on with the show. This is 162. This is basically me going over to uh, Michael Ross's house. And uh, I'm going to let Michael explain everything he does. But it was great to hang out with Michael in Nashville. And uh, there's no Bruce, there's no Scott. It's just me and Michael shooting the shit. But it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael Ross. And uh, we will talk to you guys. We'll see you guys all Monday, Tuesday. And uh, we got, I believe, Quilt coming up <coughs> and some other amazing gifts. Oh, my God. I just worked out some more coffee. Uh, all right. Go have fun. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Be safe. And keep guitar wanking. Remember, go to guitarwank at gmail.com for emails. Go to the website. Subscribe. Click on the top left-hand subject, which is Patreon. You can sign up for Patreon be exclusive for videos and extra content as well as amazing prizes like the prize we just gave away to bill miller thank you bill for being a supporter of patreon we really appreciate it also remember bruce and danielle are coming to australia june 15th for about two three weeks uh, maybe longer so if you have house concerts workshops clinics or anything like that you want to organize and get bruce and danielle to be a part of make sure you reach out and we'll put you in touch with them and you guys can make it all happen don't miss these guys when they come down under they are amazing and uh i think that's it let's get into it and uh, have a fantastic weekend thank you
Mr. Mike Ross, thank you so much. Great to be here. This is a well, actually, your house. It was it was funny. I'm driving up in my Hemi rental truck, feeling feeling very country in Nashville, and I'm listening to the radio. Country music has really gone to shit in Nashville. <laughs> the lyric, they're not even trying at this point, are they? No, no. no it's no, like, I mean, if you're talking about a commercial country, yeah, commercial. Yeah, country. yeah. It's, it's. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love. I'm a massive Brad Paisley, Paisley fan, and um. Keith oh, but Hurley. he. I don't think he could get a deal these days. Right, 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 right. You what? What you want to play guitar? Yeah, no, right. That's not going to happen. I. I, mm. I do feel like Brad's songs. At least they try and there's either humour or... But I know when he uses the word truck, which is very sparingly, it sounds right. But a lot of these other guys, they use the word, my dad's truck. Uh, it just sounds like... Have you heard the mashups? Oh, you where, have. Where, where they, they just take six country yeah. songs in a row and, and just mash them together. And it's just the exact same It's just song. the Somebody, dumbing down of America. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> Let's get into the meat of it. Is Michael Jackson guilty too? <laughs> Let me get straight to the point, Michael. Uh, now, so, um, somebody just posted a great thing about how the the finger snaps that. Yeah. That which is the hip hop thing, which is all pop music now, right. has transferred over to country music now. Oh and yeah. So you hear all these country tunes with that same same thing. Same I word. I think I watched something recently. The Beats, and they're kind of hip hop. Beats, maybe it was a similar thing they were talking about, but all these songs had the same friggin' like they're not trying. There's the formula. Yeah. I mean, I listen to country music for the guitar playing, but there's there's only a few country artists where I'm like, usually the women can write lyrics. They got better lyrics. The for women the most part. in general for pop music, but they're not getting played. I mean, it, it basically, what it, what it comes down is the same as pop music. I ignore all of it. Mm. You know, I mean, there's so much great music out there that has nothing to do with the pop machine. Right. Whether it's the country pop machine. Like, if you're in town, just turn on MOT, which is, uh, it's like 80-something on the dial. And it's, uh, it's, it's sponsored by MF, what is it? Murfreesboro State University. Right. Or something. And it's, um... It's all, it's Americana. They call it Americana Root Station. And, you know, there's a lot of crap on there too, but, yep. you know, that tends to be more the kind of white bread, you know, what do we say? Trustafarian kids with beards and <laughs> their hats are more expensive than my guitars type. Right. Yep. But within that, every four or five songs, you'll hear something great. And right. I've discovered so much great stuff on there. I mean, that's where, that's when I started using Shazam and now I even turned on Siri so I don't even have to use Shazam. Oh, I just go, Siri, right. who is this? And, and it's... Make sure we're getting this. Yeah. Talk, Michael. Hello. <laughs> we can go up a little more. I can give more volume. Um, just compress it all when you're done. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's, that's just my thing. And you know, I have my website that I do guitar modern because I'm always looking for new players, right. new people doing new stuff with, uh, with the instrument. I mean, it's more, it's dedicated more towards avant-garde stuff, right. but, um, but still and all, I mean, just in my searchings and my looking, I find just, there's so many amazing things. I found that these kids today, I just posted on Facebook. I, mean, I don't know. It just showed up on my YouTube feed somewhere. Right. And it was this, 
young girl doing uh, that Alana Miles tune, Black Velvet. Great song. And it's her, a kid playing electric, and another kid sitting there and singing. And she kills it. The harmonies are killing. You know, they look 12. They're probably in their early 20s. Yeah. And then so that from that, I followed it to the kid playing guitar. It was his own site. And there was this song he did. And the lyrics were amazing. And his singing is great. And he's a great guitar player. And he gets 100,000 hits on YouTube. And he's touring Europe. And I, of course, I've never heard of him. You've never heard of him. And... Millions of people have never heard of him, but thousands have. And somehow he's doing it like that. And he's not alone. There's so much stuff so much like fun. that out there. I mean, that, that just gives me such hope for music. Music <laughs> music is not in trouble. You know, the right. music business is in trouble. Massive trouble. Now, Howard, let's, let's back it up to where we met. Yeah. Um, now, you... you Dare I say you are a, a, a fan of Guitar Wank? I've never missed an episode. Really? Never. <laughs> you don't have, have to lie. Cause I'm here. not lying. I have never missed an episode. <laughs> because that's impressive or I, really sad. I don't know which no, one. No, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And, and I listen to podcasts. They're great for when I work out at the gym because I can't listen to music because they're blasting some of that crap music we're talking right. about. And it gets too Charles Ivesy for me. You know, it's right. like, Here's music coming to my head and here's other music coming. I can't do it. But... But I, I think when we first we first started talking about you, I was messing up your name on Guitar Wank yes. and also getting it all wrong about what you did and everything. <laughs> so let's um, let's let's let the listeners know uh, exactly what you do and uh, and the connection and everything. Like you wrote, you've written a bunch of articles on Bruce. I recently wrote a bunch on yeah. Bruce. I've written fictional a couple. or are they fact or fiction? With, this is With the... Bruce, it's hard to tell. But uh, I've written a couple, I believe, a couple on Scott. Right. And I think that's how it came up. I think Scott might have mentioned me on. Uh, he on, did. Yes. On the po- podcast, dude, yep. because I had maybe just done a piece on him, and um, and I, I also published. I did it for Guitar Player. I started writing for Guitar Player. Back in when I lived in San Francisco, I mean, I was playing, but Joe Gore, do you know who Joe Gore is? I know the name. He was a he was a um, he was a writer at at uh, guitar player, and he's a great guitar player. And he went on a road with PJ Harvey. Right. So he needed somebody to fill in the slack at guitar player, and I had done some writing for Stereophile, um, and so I guess he knew that, and he recommended me to them. So. Now, what year are we talking here? We're talking ninety something, probably early early nineties. Probably early nineties. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's when I was collecting guitar players and yeah. guitar world. I was a collector. Yeah. Well, Joe Joe was the I think at one point he was the editor. Uh, okay. Briefly. And then yep. uh, now he's writing for Premiere Guitar, but uh, and building pedals. Right. Um, but uh, that's how I started working for them and did that while I was playing. I played a lot in San Francisco. I was playing yeah. country music every, every wow. Friday and Saturday really? at a gay bar in Hayward for 10 years. <laughs> that uh, sounds fantastic. It, well, it, was, it was good. It became good. It started off with a terrible rhythm section to where I thought I couldn't play anymore. Right. And then we got a decent rhythm section. And then it was a lot of fun and made good money. And it was men and women. It was, you know, it was yeah. older men and women. I used to say it was a family bar. You know? Right. And the men 
you know, they all dance. But gay bars are usually the more the most fun you can have. At yeah, a, at and a the men, you know, the men dance with the men and the women dance with the women. But it <laughs> right. was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I was doing that, and I was doing some original bands and made some records. But I started writing for a guitar player, and then when I moved back to New York in '98, I didn't want to, I didn't want to start hustling fifty dollar gigs. Mm-hmm. And I had been writing for doing product reviews for there was a short-lived magazine that was just about products right i can't remember the name of it but somehow i transitioned from that to writing product reviews for guitar one i don't know if you remember that magazine. i do remember guitar one yeah right so yep. they were out they were on by cherry lane at the time and and i so i would call up and pitch products and you know, talk to the editor and then I'd call back a couple weeks later and ask for that editor and he wasn't there. Right. And then I'd call back, you know, I'd get the new editor then I'd call back a couple of months later, ask for that editor, he was gone. And finally I said, so who do I talk to this time? He said, well, we don't have anybody. Do you want the job? And so I started, I became the gear editor of Guitar One for a while. So I did that and did some, I did some profiles for them also. They gave me a great column called Super Unknown, where I could basically write about any guitar player that I wanted. Oh, wow, that's to, cool. Because you know? that's, I mean, you know, when you guys discuss what critics do, there's no critics anymore. I mean, when we write about the stuff, first of all, products, we write about only products that are decent, because mm-hmm. why bother write about something that's crappy when there's so many products that are good that deserve the space? You're right. You know, and you can read in between the lines if there's... A problem with it, you can tell. Well, Scott would. <laughs> but uh, you know, and then and the same goes for guitarists. You know, yeah. it's like that. The, I see my mission as exposing people to the good stuff. You right. know, I mean, there's just isn't enough media space to waste time on bad stuff. Is and it, is yeah. it getting to a point where? Uh, I mean, good, really good guitarists, great guitarists. It's getting a little. Uh, Okay, another great guitarist, and he's young. But is there any, like, anyone like Eddie Van Halen coming through, or anyone that's just, like, completely cleans the slate with everyone and, and reinvents the wheel? Is there anyone doing that? That, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd see, I've seen, I've seen anything that I would call that. Um, you know, the last guitarist that I saw, I mean, after... I guess it was that. Was it after Eddie around the same time? I mean, Eddie is, they call sui generis, you know, one of a kind. Right. There is no, you know, there is no other like him. And there, and there never was after either, you know. But, um, but I remember when I saw Bill Frizzell, mm-hmm. you know, that, it was like, this guy's from Mars. I mean, he is doing something with the guitar that I've never seen anybody do, just right. in terms of approach. And after that, the next guy I saw like that was Oz Noy, oh, who okay. just, you know, he blew my mind. I mean, right. here's a guy who, by the time he was 13, could play up every Wes Montgomery and Stevie Ray solo and... and, and wow. You know, and... Um, what do you call it? Um, and Hendrix and all that stuff. And then he went from there. And he's one of those guys where technique is no obstacle, but he has just a great demented mind. And right. he uses, he knows how to use effects really well. And he's just, you know, every time I see him, he blows me away. Since then, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've heard a lot of really interesting guitar players. But, 
But do these guys get lost? Because, like, when Eddie Van Halen hit, he was in a, a massive, amazing rock band with hit songs. These guys don't do that. So right. they're not, they're right. not uh, you know, out to the masses. So besides guitar players, like, who really gives a shit? Oh, about guitar these days? Yeah. I don't know. Did I mean, did uh, non-guitar players give a shit about Van Halen, really? I mean, non-guitar players maybe, but did... Did women care about Van Halen? Well, still there was a sense of, like, if you look at Jimmy Page and, and Hendrix... Well, that's going back farther. Yeah, yeah. well, Hendrix, but, of any, of, but yeah. any of those guitar players, they had, they came with a song. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And, and that's, that's what I think is missing with a lot of guitar players now. Yeah, there's fucking great guitar players. You can throw a stone down the street and hit so many great guitar players. But where's the songs... And where, or maybe the songs are there and they're not getting the ability to have it because the industry is so shitty at the moment. Well, if you're talking about songs in, in terms of writing pop songs with singing and stuff like that, the big problem I see is mm-hmm. that it used to be you had a Jimmy Page, you had a Pete Townsend, you had, um, you know, guys like that, or Jeff Beck. They found a singer mm. and then they put... A record out there with songs with somebody who could really sing right there came that point like the same thing that happened with song singer songwriters and singing and songwriting i mean you know back in the 50s 40s and 50s songwriters wrote songs singer great singers sang them yeah then starting with the pop music you know the later of the 60s well it became the singer songwriter so you had you know, and everybody wanted to write their own songs. So you had great singers writing crappy songs, and you had great songwriters with crappy voices. <laughs> right. I mean, not totally. Yeah, like, right, yeah. Crossed over some. Yeah. But what I noticed with guitar players now, and I don't know if it's economics or, or ego, but, you know, they want to play, and if there's going to be singing, they want to sing. And, you know, I won't name names. Oh, but, I've heard but, that term before. <laughs> you know, but, well, let me give you a, a, a good example. Bonamassa. There's a guy who learned how to sing to where he became a really, really good singer. But you he know, had, does he has he doesn't have a hit. Well, he doesn't have hits, but no, their guitar music isn't hits anymore. I mean, people don't. Well, I, I, but I disagree, and not that I'm a massive fan, but uh, John Mayer. Oh, that's true. He's 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 he broken. He's broken through that. So this is the thing with um, that I'm curious about, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. Here. No, no, it's, so, it's a great point. And um, like Joe Bonamassa, as great as he is, um, he, he hasn't achieved what John Mayer has achieved. No, no, he hasn't. Why? Why not? Well, I mean, I think you're right. He doesn't write songs that 13 year old girls. Hmm. With their panties right, over, right? You know? yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, because that's what pop music has been about since the year one. Yeah, is you know, if you can't sell it to thirteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old girls, it's not pop music. I feel like Joe Bonamassa really, um, his audience is majority older white guys. Yeah, well, they're older white guys who, or even younger white guys, right. who miss the sound of the sixties. You know, they right. miss that guitar sound. They miss those guitar tones. Yeah. And he's great at that. And he works his ass off. And he's, you know, I have nothing but respect for the yeah. guy. No, he's, ter- he's a badass. In terms of what he's, what and how he's done it. He did it totally on his own. You know, with no, as he said, I, I would have sold out, but nobody was buying. 
but he and his team have done amazing things. Yeah. But no, you have a great point. I mean, there there aren't. Um. There's, I mean, Saint Vincent is actually a great guitar player mm-hmm. who just recently had, I think, her record became fairly popular, and she's. Uh, so she, kind of fits that category of making. I don't know if her last record was as guitar oriented, but her guitar stuff, she's good. And, and, uh, and she had a stuff, but yeah, I mean, there's bands. I don't know if you'd consider a band like, uh, is it Muse? Is that what I'm thinking of? Muse, oh, for sure. You know, I mean, he's killer and they're big. I don't know if they're having pop hits, but they're really massive. I mean, that was probably, when I think about it, that was probably the last band I heard where I've just gone, holy shit. Like when I listened to their, I know exactly where I was. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, it's just how but, often does that perfect storm come? Yeah, that you have a guy who plays great guitar, who sings really good, who writes really good, universally lovable type songs, and is good looking. Let's not forget that part. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and I mean, that's that's rare. That's always been kind of rare. Let me let me throw this one into the hat. Okay, so I remember instrumental albums coming out like Joe Saturani surfing with the alien, and then Steve Vai coming out, and Eric Johnson other music come. I remember those albums coming out, and it's maybe just because of my age and where I was at, blah blah blah. But what like when surfing with the alien hit? I mean, to me that was a massive album on its own right. I don't feel like that happens anymore. Am I just out of the loop? No, no, it's not you're out of the loop. It's there is no loop anymore. I right. mean, that's part of it. Is, okay. is there's there's so everything is so niche mm. now yeah. that there is no it's like they say there's no water cooler effect anymore. Nobody comes in to the office on Monday and all talks about the same thing. Right. You know, it's that's very rare in any medium. It's not just music. Yeah. It's yeah. like television shows. There's no, you know, there used to be when I was growing up, I'm so old, it was the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> right. You know, I mean everybody watched that on Sunday night and you came in the next day. So when the Beatles hit on Ed Sullivan, everybody saw it. Yeah. But what has everybody watched? Everybody doesn't watch anything anymore. You're right. You know, yeah. I mean, and no, everybody doesn't listen to the same. There's so many stations. There's so many places to get music. You know, and that's there's that's the good news and the bad news. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bad news in terms of somebody becoming that kind of universally popular. And not it's not just guitar. It's in pop music they have the same issue. I mean, the only thing, you know, the thing that seems to be huge now really is rap. You know, yeah, that's, right. That's the stuff. Don't ask me to explain that. I'm too old. I gotta say, I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I'm not a big rap guy. As probably people could tell, but the the rap that I have listened to, I, you know, I'm, I'm I love Buster Rhymes. I love, you know, some of the other cats. But a lot of the shit I hear on the radio, I gotta say, they're not even fucking trying. No, most anymore. of them are not. They're shit. I mean, Kendrick Lamar, not the last record. I was disappointed, but the one before that, that was cool. Was spectacular. Yeah, he was pushing. He was actually saying something, doing something cool. But I gotta say, everything else I hear is like these motherfuckers aren't even trying anymore. Yeah, it's it's just, and I feel like that is across the board with music at the moment. Not with music, with pop music. Pop music. Thank you for pop correcting music. me. Because music 
there's plenty of people out there trying and doing amazing, amazing stuff. stuff. I mean, right. I'm going to Big Ears next week, which is a festival in Knoxville. Right. And, uh, I mean, Bill Frizzell is going to be there doing three different shows. Wow. David Torn's going to be there doing three different shows. This guy um, that I wrote about about a year ago, Rafik Bhatia, he's an Indian guitar player who just is doing amazing stuff that combines like hip-hop elements and electronica elements. And um, it's just, and and some of that kind of, uh, oh, what's a... Um, Boy, these days nothing comes quickly to mind. But uh, D'Angelo, oh, you know, it's got that. He does some of that kind of guitar playing, and it's it's just great stuff. So there's going to be tons of great music there. Be, but the radio, you you're not, not going to get it. Not on not on pop radio. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you know, for the Americani, you can hear a lot of good stuff on MOT. Um, other than that, no radio. But you don't need radio anymore. Yeah, you know, right. you've got right. Spotify, you've got Apple Tunes, you know, yeah. you've got YouTube. I mean, YouTube is like this kid I was talking about. It's when I talk to people and they go, how do you make it in the music business these days? Or how do you do anything? YouTube is the new radio. YouTube. But the difference is you don't have to wait to, for somebody to play you. Hmm. You know, you play and all the, what a lot of these young players are doing and this is what I advise everybody who wants to get some traction, get found. Because, you know, it's what I call the noise floor. You know what a noise floor level is? You're yeah. a recorder. You know? the, but the noise floor, the, the media and social noise floor level has gone so far up. Because, as they say, everybody can make a record and everybody does. Yeah. So how do you get noticed? Well, you do a cover tune. You put that on YouTube. People find the tune, they like the way you do it, and they find, then they look at what else you've done, and they'll find your original stuff. If your original stuff is as good as the cover right. tune, you have a shot in hell, you know? But See, it, I, I, I struggle with this, and I think it's just me, so I'm just speaking for myself, but I don't know how many times I turn on YouTube or Facebook, and I'll see some little shit who's fucking barely out of his diaper play this amazing cover tune and there was one um careless whisper i think i saw a kid play on acoustic i mean amazing i mean i could only dream to play like that but you know what after a while it's just like oh, this is another circus trick he's tapping and he's doing well, all this amazing that kind stuff. of guitar i i i can't live. if yeah. it's guitar you know for one thing i felt this way about back in the day about stanley jordan i mean right the first time I saw him was like, oh my God, if he's playing guitar, what am I playing? I mean, I can't. Right. And then, then to me, the test is, well, put it on a record and listen to it without watching him do it. Hmm. You know, does it sound good? Because I didn't find his tone very appealing. Right. You know, so once you get over the fact of, oh my God, he's playing, you know, with both hands and doing playing it like a piano... A lot of that is is kind of circus trick stuff, or it's what I call guitar playing. I don't want to hear guitar playing; I want to hear music. Music, right? And Bruce has said this too. You know, you got to say something. Hmm. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to in whatever you're doing. It's, yeah, it's you got to say something. Yeah, I mean, look, who gets exposed to more little shits playing guitar than <laughs> I do? You know, I mean, this is what I do all day. This is my business. Right, but. You know, and that's fine. And, you know, a friend of mine in San Francisco sent me um, a YouTube video of these kids 
in some foreign country playing some sort of fusion thing, you know, and they're like in their teens and blowing away on it and stuff like that. And I wrote back to him, I said, you know, that's amazing. I see this all day long. Yeah. You know, I want to hear somebody who has something to say. And the odds on that happening when you're a teenager is really rare because really rare. you have no life to represent. It it happens. I mean, you know, listen to Stevie Winwood with Spencer Davis. Right. You know, it's like, it's guys 14 doing George on my mind <laughs> and it's mind boggling. But even that, it's like that was him doing Ray Charles. It wasn't until, right. you know, he started writing his own stuff and that he became big. And, and um, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what can you write. I want to hear a style of playing that is unique to you. And, and, um, it, and I, you know, I'm contemplating writing a book about this because to me, it seems like that is so easy, should be so easy to do. You know, if you play, it should be you, you know, it should sound like you right. because we're all different, but people try so hard to sound like other people that we lose that. You know that that that's that's well as a guitarist that's 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 the biggest thing is to sound like you and be identifiable. I don't think Joe Bonamassa is identifiable. I I listen to Joe and I'm like, well, he'd be the first to tell you that he well, sounds I, like yeah, the two Eric, Eric I, Clapton and Eric Johnson. Yeah, yeah I kind of yeah, I, mean, I kind of asked him a little bit that, and he he. He's, he's fine yeah, with, he that. Cool and, and, with that. And, and, yeah, I wouldn't put him in the ca that category. No. But Julian Lodge, you, have you heard Julian yeah, Lodge? Yeah. He has, he, and he wasn't always like that. I mean, right. he was brilliant, but he, but he has developed the sound, you know, that is very uniquely him. And that's the thing. And Santana said it years ago. I mean, if your mother can't recognize you on the radio, <laughs> that's you're cool. not doing it right. Right. You know, and that's, it's not easy. It's not simple. No. No, I should say it's simple, but it's not easy. Not easy, yeah. You know, it's, it's, the thing is, but it also takes courage. You know, it takes, you have, because if you do that and you put you out there and somebody doesn't like it, it's not you sounding, the way you do Stevie Ray Vaughan they're not liking, it's you they're not liking. Yeah. It's something about, you're putting, you're vulnerable, you're putting it out there, and the greatest artists do that. And yeah. You know, that's why I like... I, to me, that, that, that's... I mean, you know... You know Scott Henderson when he starts... When he plays four bars, you know that's Scott Henderson. When you hear Derek Trucks, yeah, that's fucking Derek Trucks. Yeah. When you hear Eric Johnson, David Grissom, I mean, there's so... Eddie Van Halen, there's so many great players that within those four bars, you tone-wise and it, what they play, you get it. But there's a lot of guitar players that are just copying everyone else. And they're... Amazing too, but they don't have that. Yeah, signature. and I and I can listen to that too. I yes. mean, I, you know, I mean, I, if it's really done well, if they've got great tone, like Joe, if they if they've got great tone and they play really well and they play really musically, it's a pleasure to listen to. Yeah. You know, um, but there's only 24 hours in a day, and I ain't getting any younger, <laughs> and so I want to spend as much time as I can listening to people. Who are doing something special? But isn't that isn't that an argument for guitar players? Like, and I'm sure all the guitar players have this argument. Um, well, someone like Joe Bonamassa, who sounds like everyone, but you, you know, if you pull the curtain, you'd be like, all right, is it Eric Johnson? Is it Eric Clapton? Is it Gary Moore? Blah blah blah. Where 
you put Robin Ford in there, and within you know straight away it's Robin well, of Ford. Yeah. So so on that level, uh, as an argument, you go, well, who's the better guitarist? Well, that, I don't even get into those. Right. Arguments. So it's th- not you know it's it's uh, it's not it's not a competition. No. You know? it's but not a guitarist. It's not but a I'm talking as a guitarist because we do that in yeah. our bed in our bedroom. Well, and it's also but I mean also and I I would make the the case you can be a craftsman a brilliant craftsman mm-hmm. or you can be an artist yeah. you know and and they're two different things and they're both respectable that's a great point. Yeah. and they're both you know and and it's fine if you want to if you want to be a craftsman because if you want to work all the time and make money you know as a session player you have to be a chameleon you have yeah. to sound like whatever they want you to sound like yeah. the, the the number of people who get called for sessions who actually have a sound you could probably count on one hand. I went and saw Brent Mason at Third and Lindsay Saturday oh, yeah? night. I mean, he's he's just so good. But I mean, I just saw him do what he's been doing for the last 25, 30 years or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was kind of like wanting to hear something new. Well, yeah, I mean, and unfortunately for him, that market has dried up. Yeah. You know, I mean, and there's a whole generation of maybe two at this point of players who can do that yeah they do you know? <laughs> there's some is it a Brazilian kid or who plays like this looks like he's playing bass yeah. I can't think of the kid's name but I saw him play um, I think Hot Wired or one of Brent's John it was so ridiculously clean I just wanted to vomit all <laughs> you know I was like oh, seriously dude come on man he's and he's he plays like a classical player and it was just his technique is flawless, like yeah. beyond flawless. Oh, there's plenty of those out there. And they're you know? everywhere. I mean, it's, but, that's, but he didn't write the song. Well, and, and right? he didn't invent the style. He didn't which Brent it. did. Brent did. You know, that's, it's the Brent Mason style. And, and he, he's done it for years, and he's great. He's also great in a bunch of other styles. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. Like his video, I, I watched his instruction video, and I'm talking about being pissed off. He goes, here it is fast. Here it is slow. it's like marginally slow and and he goes yeah playing fast has always been easy for me it's like fuck you You that's what I want to hear when I'm watching a a video no he's he's a great guy and and the bastard can sing did he sing? he did sing he did sing he sang some tunes he can really sing he's he's great around he just seems like we're gonna I've got to track Brent down and get him on the show at some point yeah he's he's a good guy and and uh you know, there's guys like that. But then, here's a great example. Look at Vince Gill. You, I can recognize his playing. Yeah, I'll put that he, a doubt. he does that kind of playing, but it's he's, he's got his developed own thing. A, his own thing with it. And that's... To me, to me, those guys are the elite players. Like, more so than any of these other guitar players we talked about. Because not only has Vince Gill achieved amazing guitar playing but he's also achieved amazing songwriting songwriting well, yeah, he's and vocals. one of those guys he's, he's just does it. and brad paisley keith urban all those cats have taken guitar and they've done what they've done with but they've brought it into the song sense where it gets to the masses yeah and yeah that's a great point and i i'd be hard-pressed to think of anybody since john mayer who has done it myself i mean i'm not a fan of john I mean, I, he is amazing. Yes, of course. And he writes well, amazing songs. about whether you like it or not. Yeah, the the point he, is, he's, he's done what you're talking about. Yeah, he has achieved uh, amazing shit. And he does. He writes amazing songs. You can't deny that. He writes a really good song. 
Yeah, he, no, he's a good, great songwriter, and he's and he's a great player, and he's, he's just a, a little douchey. He, well, <laughs> he's a, he's a, I think he's the first one to admit it. He's a little douchey. Yeah, yeah he's a really smart, and he's a, he's Super really smart. He's he's a little too smart for his own good. Is you know that's, that's I don't know what the hell. That was. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's, what about have you heard of Australian guitarist? Oh, I always mess up his name as I do with many. Pelini, no Pliny. Pellini? You don't know him? No. Uh, man, you, you look up this guy. He's fucking ridiculous. No, my, my good friend, Australian guitar player. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, my friend put me in touch with him, my good mate Kippo in Australia, but this kid had never even plugged into an amplifier, straight into his Mac computer, and he uses those fan-fretted guitars a lot. Uh, yeah. He's touring the world, selling out everywhere with him and his band, and it's his music is so different to everything. It seems... It's Prague, but very theatrical. Amazing. It's very, very amazing stuff. Um, I want to see him live, but I was curious that you hadn't... No, if you remember, though, hit me up with his... You're uh, going to check him out. Send me a text with his name, because I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, there's kids... Like, I discovered this kid, Nick Reinhardt. He's got a band called Terra Melos, and he's... um, he, it's like punk meets King Crimson, right? With but with pedals. I mean, he's a master of stepping on pedals and making crazy sounds. But he can tap and he can and he sings along with it. I mean, they're not going to be mainstream, but right. but they tour and you know sell out small clubs. And when I did an interview with him for Guitar Modern, my website, I had to get a bigger server. Wow! And every time I post anything about him. You know, it blows up. There's a few people that just blow up the site. Now, talk about your website a little bit more. Now, spell it too, because I know a lot of listeners are like <laughs> me. It's like, what did he just say? I'll never be able to right. find that. It's, I I don't know why I did it, but I called it Guitar Modern. M-O-D-E-R-N-E, like French for modern. Oh, okay. Just partly because I realized I had a lot of, I was going to have a lot of European things and just to be a pretentious asshole. <laughs> and so I... I that's what I decided to call it. And, and it came about because I was sitting around in my house wasting a lot of time on YouTube looking for guitarists that push the envelope of the instrument. Like, I've always liked people like Adrian Ballou and mm-hmm. David Torn yep. and Bill Frizzell. And, you know, it started with Jimi Hendrix. I mean, yeah. he was doing something totally different. And that's what I'm looking for. But he had songs. He had songs. Well, these guys, most of these guys, it's not even about songs and pop music it's just about doing new and different stuff with the instrument and trying to find new approaches for it do you think to jump in do you think a lot of guitarists write songs just to solo that's what it sounds like i mean especially on the blues blues guitarists especially blues (laughs) right yeah especially blues yeah no that there's there's a lot of that going on gary clark jr what about I, I he re, he released his single uh, recently. For I his haven't new heard album. the new record, but uh, his his single was I thought it was great because as a as a African American man in America, he was pushing and saying something that was relevant to the time. And I think all these blues guitarists get off your fucking asses and write something that's relevant to what's going on now instead of writing about, oh, my bitch left me and I've got no, uh, I can't pay the rent. I woke up this morning. I mean, really? Do we need to hear that again? Dude, there's so much going on right now. 
write something about what's relevant to what's going on in the world. Well, I toured with a guy for two years that was doing that, the guy James Armstrong, when I, I was on, high, he was on High Tone when I joined the band, but um, but he was writing, he wrote was a lot it, of good songs. Was it connecting with people? Was it having yeah, a residence? Yeah, I mean, yeah, oh yeah, Red- but not, you know, not beyond the blues world, right. but, but, but that's you fine. know, but in a blues world, most of them, what they want to hear is dank to dank to dank to whittly woo, whittly woo, you know, I mean, that's, you know, they want to hear a shuffle, they want to hear Sweet Home Chicago till they puke, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what they want to hear. But anyway, back to the site for a moment. Yeah. It yeah. came about because, um, I was finding all these videos and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, these are really cool. This is great. Maybe I'll post them on Facebook. I have a lot of guitar player friends. And I realized half my guitar player friends wouldn't get this stuff at all. Right. You know, I mean, some of it, I don't know if you've seen the, you know, some, uh, my card for the magazine, but it has a guitar with, you know, alligator clips hooked to it and stuff. <laughs> you know, there's stuff like that. I mean, it's not all like that, but there's stuff like that. So I said, well, what, what am I going to do with this stuff? And I thought... Why don't I just put together a website and just post it so people can find it somewhere, aggregate it so people can find this this kind of stuff who are into it and they don't have to go, like me, spend way too much of their time on YouTube looking for it. You know, I'll go down to rabbit holes and I'll show it to them. So I, this is, God, what is it? No, it can't be. It's not 10 years ago. It's before we moved here. So yeah, it's probably going on wow. seven, eight years ago that I started. Now you were in New York before I was here. in New York when I started it. And I taught myself WordPress and got a little help and yep. built the site, you know, because I wanted to be able to maintain it myself. I didn't, I, you know, there's no money in this. I didn't want to, I couldn't pay anybody. So I did it. I don't even write specifically really for it. You know, I don't do much writing. It's all, I started off doing just email interviews right so i would have a form they would fill out the interview and you know they would send it back to me and you know standard like 10 questions or so and so i put that up i put videos up i put you know um so this is aggregate videos i wasn't making videos right i was doing videos that i found i'd post them them. on the site and then i would uh and i'd do the occasional product review if it was a product that seemed relevant to this kind of stuff and eventually some guy called me. I had thought about maybe trying to get advertising, but some guy called me and he was with, I don't know if you remember there were, when there was that aggregation of Guitar Builders Guild or something was around for a little while. Right. It was Saul Cole. Um, it was two rock amps. It was this whole aggregation. They tried to get together and make that work. And this guy was doing uh, advertising for them in their advertising. And he called me and said, I want these guys to advertise on your site. And I'm thinking, I don't know if this is the right people, because I really wanted, if I was going to do advertising, I really wanted it to be relevant to the people who read the right. stuff. I wasn't going to take Google ads for play guitar and make your penis bigger. You know, right. I, that's not going to happen. And and so, but he called and they were, you know, he offered to pay every month. And they were with me for about a year. And then Earthquaker came on board and they've been with me for like, over two years, and then Red Panda came on board. I mean, that that group broke up, so they're gone. But now I've got Earthquake and Red Panda who've been with me both about two years. Wow, that's fantastic. that's molding guitar wing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, I mean, they don't. I don't charge a lot, and I I never wanted a lot of advertising because I hate the guitar sites that have you know ads all over the place, and right. I, I hate reading that stuff. Yeah. My model was uh, this guy Peter Kern has a site called Create Digital Music. Mm-hmm. 
and it was clean. It read straight down. You know, it was easy to find stuff. There was only a couple of ads, and it just it was fun to navigate. I mean, right. you know, because these magazines, guitar magazines that are online, you know, where they're pretending they're a magazine and you have to turn the pages. <laughs> Some of them even you hear like a, you know, and, turn, and I'm going, what, what generation are you living in? You know, they're really holding under that. Oh, magazine yeah. It's thing. like, if I want to do that, I'll read the magazine. magazine. <laughs> and you, all you've done is made it harder to read because you have to blow it up. Right. And you know, because it looks this, they put the pages, the whole pages on there. So it looks this big and I have to, make it bigger and move around on it. And I just, I can't deal with it. So, <laughs> so I said, I'm not doing that. So they're basically, it's just a continuous post thing. I have, I have headings. So if you want to look for just gear posts, you can find yep. that if you want to look for future posts. And, you know, it's slowly built. It's really funny. I found that it works in some ways like any other guitar magazine. Like I remember with, you know, Guitar One or Guitar World or Guitar Player, you know, we need more readers this month. Put Jimi Hendrix on a cover. Uh, you know, right. or we need more readers this month. Put Stevie Ray Vaughan on the cover. Put Eddie Van Halen on the cover. Sure enough, if I do a post, I just did a couple of posts on Bill Frizzell. Right. My readership jumped for that week three times. Wow. You know, because he is yes. the Jimi Hendrix, the the Eddie Van Halen, and the, you know, and the uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan of modern guitar. Yeah. Or if I do him or I do David Torrens, another one. He's, you know, these guys are the superheroes of that world. And so if I did Agent Blue too, I, I did, uh, I went out, he lives in Mount Julia. Oh, okay. So I went out there and, and videotaped his rig and yep. talked to him and that, you know, went nuts. My roommate is to tour with him. Really? As his bass player. He played bass with him. Big, big L, a big uh, Aust uh, Austrian man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, th he has good words to say about it. Yeah, he was, he's a nice guy. He was just in town at City Winery. I wanted to go. I just didn't get it together. Yep. But I saw him a couple of years ago, 12th and Porter, and it was amazing. Was so amazing. if so, let's let people know about your site. So if you want to find new players, new gear, it's, it just sounds like a great magazine to go to. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's guitar, modern, M-O-D-E-R-N-E dot com. It's, that, it's all one word? All one word, yeah. Guitarmodern dot com. Dot com. Go there, check it out. We'll, yeah. we'll make sure, post, let, we'll post yeah. a post of the website to, as well. Um, yeah. You spent time, how long you spent time in New York? Well, I was born in New York. Oh, okay. I, I mean, around there, I, yep. just north. I grew up there. And as soon as I dropped out of college and came back from Europe, I, I always wanted, I mean, my father had a coffee shop down there my whole life and I used to work for him down there. So I've been going We're, whereabouts in New York, we're talking. Well, he's had a couple. I grew up in Westchester, which is just right. Yonkers, just north there. Um, went to school with Steven Tyler. You fun. did? Yeah, it was fun. Do you remember him in school? We marched in marching band together and we used to hang out in the band room, <laughs> uh, Together, cut classes. He he introduced me to Rolling Stones, the pretty no things. No way! The oh yeah, he was. Now, did you look at him? <laughs> That's a tangent. But uh, did you look at him back then and go, "Ah, oh, this motherfucker with a big mouth is going somewhere. This yes. guy's going." Oh, really? Absolutely. He had something. he had perfect pitch. He was a great drummer back then. Wow! And and he wanted nothing but to be a rock star. Really? And yes, I knew he was. If anybody was going to do it, he was going to do it. And he did it. And too. he was a good guy. Yeah. Um, 
But cool. yeah, I started. I so I was. I wanted to live in the city from the time I'm like eight years old. So yeah. When I dropped out of school, I lived in the city through the fabulous '70s, and uh, and started playing. Played with Sheridan Hotel show band type thing. Yep. Five sets a night, six nights oh, wow. a week. Yeah. People don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. Um, but that was my music. That was my Berkeley. You know. Yeah. That was the thing. And then. Uh, I would live there for, I usually do 12 year stints. So I lived in Manhattan for 12 years. And then my first wife and I wanted to get out of town. So we moved to San Francisco. She had a relative. What, what year are we talking? That was 85, I want to say. Okay. And how was San Fran then? It was great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was great. I mean, one reason I moved out there because, you know, they had stages and like, you know, <laughs> I mean, growing up playing in New York, half the places the music is an afterthought or back when I was doing it there yeah and uh playing in manhattan so i thought oh this is fun i like being in bands i mean i i did a lot of freelancing and sessions and stuff in new york but but i what i really liked was being in bands where you got five guys or whatever together and you worked on original material until it you got a sound together and did something that's that that to me was creating something much as you know and it, it was a nice balance and then go get paid to do a sideman gig but then but everybody in New York it's so hard to live that everybody's in five or six of those bands and nobody ever really gets something together I mean if you think about it for as big as New York is how many actual bands not counting punk bands there was that brief moment with the punk bands have come out of there big bands that's considering how many musicians yeah, right. are there and you know it's that's that was the deal. So I figured, everyone's hustling. Yeah. So I figured San Francisco might be a little easier to do yeah. it. And it was. I was in a couple of great bands in San Francisco. We played the Great American Music Hall. Was Bruce out there when you were there? He was. And I can't remember if I ever actually saw him. Right. I mean, for, first of all, I was so busy working between the gay country bar and doing <laughs> and doing the original stuff. I love that. You know, um, we rehearsed three nights a week. Well, hold it. You're playing a gay country bar and you didn't see, you didn't see Bruce Foreman on a regular basis? <laughs> I find that weird. <laughs> yeah, it should have been him and Scott, the two old lesbians. <laughs> He's going to love that. No, uh, no, but I think I might have seen him play at Pearls once or twice. Yeah, yeah. Because we were there at the same time. But then, um, you know, my, that marriage broke up and Sam, I, I, I watched the same thing happen in city after city. Like New York, when I left in 85, they were closing all the clubs down. Right. You know, because it was becoming the Reagan era yuppies. They move into what they consider the hip neighborhoods and then it's too noisy for them. So they make everybody close the clubs oh, down. Geez. Same thing happened in San Francisco in 90s, late 90s. Damn, yep, all the people started moving south of Market where all the clubs were yeah. because that's the hip area and then complaining about the noise and they started shutting the clubs down. And, you know, it became about tribute bands and right. stuff like that. And I said, no, and there were, there were a bunch of reasons I moved back to New York. So I moved back to New York because my brother was there too, and um, and then uh, we I was there for twelve years, met my now wife, and played with some fun people there, and did, but mostly was doing the writing yep. thing, and uh, and then we decided, you know, she had lived there a total of about twenty years, and I'd lived there a total of about twenty years, and we're both getting older, and New York's a young person's town, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. 
It's just, if you don't, I always say, if you don't have to be there for something, <laughs> you can't get it, out. it's a lot, well, it's just, it's, it's a lot of dealing. Yeah. And if, you know, if you're there, if you take advantage of it and you're there for what it offers and you're going and, you know, seeing the music and hanging out and seeing, you know, going to the museums and all that kind of stuff, there's few better places on earth, you know, but if you're not doing that, like I, I knew people that would just stay home and watch television, I go. You know, that same programs are on in Kansas, you know, and it's a lot cheaper to live there. I kind of feel like I could do New York if I just had enough money for a massive penthouse in Manhattan that overlooked the city you know, and life was great. Even then it's a pain in the ass. Really? Yeah, well, of course. You, you can, unless you're never going to leave the, the penthouse. Right. So, you have a limo. You'll sit in traffic. Right. You take cabs. You'll yeah. sit in traffic. You, right. Or you have to get on the subway and sweat your balls off and, you know, and with a bunch of stinky people. And, and you know, true. I mean, it's, you, you know, you, you're dealing with broken down. So, you're dealing. It's dealing. you got to deal. I got to, I do, we, we go to New York a lot. My son's out that, that, that way. And, We've stayed in um, Harlem and Brooklyn. I gotta say, as much as a bad rap New York gets, as people just telling, they tell it how it is. But I find people in New York really, really friendly. Uh, they're, if uh, as I like to say, if you need them, they're there. They're there. Yep. If you don't need them, they'll. Yeah. they'll but I, you know, I mean, we're walking, we're going through New York subways with you know the baby stroller and all the shit, and and I gotta say every. Every guy and some girls were like, hey, you need a hand. You need a hand. You Absolutely. Need a hand. You stand on a corner looking lost for five seconds. Yeah. Somebody will come yeah. up and say, where do you need to go? So I, know, I, I tell you. They might tell you the wrong way, but they'll tell you. LA, that won't happen. LA, that won't happen. <laughs> no, in San Francisco, it wouldn't happen. You know, that's I found San Francisco, it's all about, yeah, I thought it was all about being laid back right. and everything else. There was, they asked Drew Barrymore once about, you know, you've lived on the East Coast and you lived on the West Coast. What's the difference? She goes, well, the East Coast is aggressive and the West Coast is passive aggressive. <laughs> and that was, that's, that's how I found out. I mean, I had great friends in San Francisco who yeah. I miss dearly. But on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, it was like, uh, I, I, it was kind of neither here nor there. You know, it wasn't really laid back. It wasn't like Nashville, right. where it might be slow, but everybody's really super nice and super friendly, and you know we'll talk to you and everything. In San Francisco, they were just slow. That's a little annoying. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm getting older here by the minute. Can we hurry this up, now, please? what brought you here in Nashville? Well, I mean, after 20 years, I was starting to say, after 20 years in New York, yeah. You know, and getting older, I mean, those subway stairs were starting to get rougher. <laughs> yeah, and right. Just the dealing day to day yeah. was rougher. And, and the weather's I, tough. Yeah, I fell I fell on the ice um, about seven years ago. Oh. Woodstock broke three ribs. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm thinking, yeah. Because at first when we were thinking of just getting out of the city, we looked up state at yeah. Beacon, which was kind of a nice little town. But eventually we just, I've been coming down here for... 20 years or something for oh, the okay. NAM show. Yep. And I had about six or seven friends that lived here. And so I, uh, and I heard they needed guitar players. Um, <laughs> so, so, so we, you know, we looked at what was available and I brought Liz down and we, you know, it was crazy. I mean, we came down, she'd never been here and we went down to Leaper's Fork. Have you been to Leaper's Fork? No. We no. read about it on the air, the plane flying down and it's it's down near Franklin, you know, it's about 20, well, it's about 35, 40 minutes south of, of uh, Nashville. 
And we read about how this, you know, these two people, Aubrey Preston and Marty Hunt, got together and worked to preserve this area so that it wasn't overdeveloped and stuff. And it sounded cute. So we went down there and we hadn't moved here yet. We, I was just showing her around the area and we moved down there and we walk into this place called Serenity Maison there. And there's a 1940s Southern Jumbo hanging on the wall along with some, you know, equally vintage Martin and an old Gibson arch top. And I go up to the woman behind the counter. I go, nice guitar. She goes, oh, yeah, they're not for sale. Just take one down and play it. People come down and pick. Oh, wow. Because Tony Joe White lived there. Michael McDonald lived there. Um, Pat McLaughlin lives there. Yeah. You know, so all these people would come and just in general, they'd come in. They had fiddles on a wall and upright bass. But it was, I mean, the, the store wasn't a music store. It was all kind of really nice home things. Beautiful stuff. So I get to talking to the woman behind the counter. It turns out it's Marty Hunt, the woman who helped found the city. Oh, wow. And she says, she finds out I write about guitar. She says, oh, you got to meet Aubrey Preston, you know, cause, and who walks in five minutes later? Aubrey Preston. And he says, oh, you're into guitar. you got to meet Paul Polycarpo, who at that <laughs> time was the editor of National Arts, who's a yeah. big guitar collector also. They're all huge. That's all his guitars hanging on. Well, I mean... Aubrey's guitar is hanging on all. He had a record there that he had done, a swing record with Reggie Young playing guitar oh, wow. on it. So, I mean, this is in, like, you know, one day of being in Nashville, <laughs> I'm meeting all these big movers and shakers. And then we started looking at houses and realized, you know, we could sell our apartment in New York, a one-bedroom apartment in New York, and buy a four-bedroom house, a car, and right. have money left over. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there were all those factors, and we decided to do it, and, and we ended up And, and love it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's terrific. I mean, my big fear moving down here, because I was doing Guitar Modern, was that, well, that's the end of seeing any avant-garde you know, music, yeah. which turned out not to be true. I right. found... Um, this guy Tony was doing it for a while. I found a website that he had that was that talked about the shows and stuff going on down here. But then I met this guy Chris Davis, who is amazing, and he he does he has this thing called FMRL, like ephemeral, and he promotes shows in Nashville of all these avant-garde people who come through town, or yeah. you know, because there's a little circuit down here between Knoxville and Chattanooga and stuff. So he'll book. Um, He'll book Betty's on the west side, which is a total dive. But I I played there a couple of times doing... I play guitar through a laptop sometimes yeah. and do yeah. that stuff. And seen some great shows there. He books Monday nights. Sometimes they'll open Bastion. Have you been to Bastion? No. No. Amazing restaurant. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it's the guy from the Catbird Seat, which is known as one of the great restaurants in Nashville. Yeah. But there's a little restaurant, but there's also a big bar that's attached to it that's closed on Monday. But Josh, the owner, will open that for Chris to do shows there sometimes. Oh, that's cool. So uh, I did a show there with this guy, Dan um, Dan Phelps from from Seattle. He does the same thing, guitar through the laptop. And... Um, and uh, so I, all my fears were unfounded, and even some you know well-known people come through town and do shows. Uh, Mary Halverson did a show at a place called Zeitgeist, and there's these little venues that he puts yeah. on the show. 
Well, there you go, guys. That was just part of me and Michael hanging out. Um, you know, uh, you, you may have dug that. You may have not. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I really appreciate Michael Ross and jumping in and, uh, and, and sharing his time with us. Uh, lots, of, lots of great more conversation coming from Michael Ross. Next time, Bill Miller, thank you, mate. Congratulations on your new boost pedal from Left Coast Workshop. We will see you all next week. Have a fantastic weekend. Be safe. And thank you again for supporting Guitar Wank. We really appreciate it. And uh, have a great weekend. Up your bum. Thank you.